You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast and the latest team talk show where listeners, we're going to take you behind the scenes of uh, the US team as we build up to Paris 2024. It feels like only minutes ago that we were building up to Tokyo 2020 that ended up happening in 2021. One of my favorite shows on the podcast. I'm not going to lie. Bobby Costello, welcome back. It is wonderful to have you with us. It's lovely to be back, Nicole. It has been an absolutely action-packed few weeks for you guys because you have had lots and lots of horses competing over in Europe. We've had uh, the Nations Cup team, who we actually featured on the last show. Listeners, if you want to go and get an insight into their trip to Stragom, you can go and do so. Uh, We'll link it in the show notes. But also we've had Lemoulin, we've had Arkin. There's been so much going on. But I want to start with Arkin because it's one of those events that is a real highlight of the the eventing calendar. It's one of those sort of rare opportunities that we get to see a lot of nations field pretty strong teams, almost as strong as you might see them at championship level, and go up against each other. So first of all, Bobby, in terms of the US team, where does Arkin sit? When you're going into this year's event, how important is it, the SAP Cup for you guys? Yeah, it you know, both when I was a selector and then taking over this role um, last year, um, it, it's Aachen is always uh, a tough competition for us from the U.S. to 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 you know, and maybe for other countries as well. Coming on the heels of you know the the spring three day season, um, uh, you know, to, to we you know we sent strong teams in the past, but 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 I think this year we went with. A, a team and it was very much planned in my mind for this to happen um, to, you know, with the riders, you know, letting, you know, telling them ever since like last autumn after the Pan Ams um, through this spring, like, you know, really keep Aachen at, in, you know, the front of your mind for, um, you know, the summer, just because I think it's, you know, I thought it was very important to, to kind of make a statement after Protoni that we, that, that was not a one-off um, situation um, you know, we don't get the chance to compete against um, the best teams in the world very often. Unlike, you know, in Europe, they have the European Championships on the off years from Olympics and World Games. So, um, so I, I, you know, I really wanted to um, send a very, very heavy hitting team to um, Aachen. And, you know, it's not always possible, but I would just love to be able to do that, you know, year on uh, year um, in, you know, even if it's, you know, the, the the top riders with you know a, a superstar up and coming horse. I know it's not always possible to field you know like a you know that th- this team would have been perfectly comfortable at an Olympic Games or a World Championship. So um, yeah, it just all really worked out, but it was very much planned for this year. It's interesting on the eventing podcast Arkham preview show listeners that we were kind of looking forward to the competition. Um, Sam Watson said, you know, this is possibly the most important competition between now and the Paris Olympic Games, because this is the one that we saw all the different nations when New Zealand sent a really strong team. We saw Australia there as well. And actually, you're completely right. You know, you have the European Championships but that emits a number of the big 
big nations. Um, and so everybody now sort of takes their different path. Um, in terms of the, the preparation leading up to this year's Arkan, what did it look like for the team? Because there were a number of horses, I think, included in the squad. We had, obviously, Tammy Smith and Mybaum coming back from that brilliant Kentucky win. Liz Halliday-Sharp, Mixmaster C, who were third at Kentucky as well. Um, Philip Dutton and Z and Finally, Will Coleman off the record, former Arkan winner, again, having come from Kentucky. So I guess that the nature of the horses campaign was that they were coming back after a break. So what did it look like the sort of few weeks building up to heading overseas to Arkan? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Will uh, Coleman has done this for the last few years. You know, he's been very successful, um, you know, taking whatever horse to to Kentucky and then turning it around and then. Um, having a, a good solid go at at Aachen. Um so I think it, you know if if you really just manage the schedule very well, um, you know they they can still have a solid break. Um, they can come back uh, slowly. They they horses were were obviously carrying a lot of fitness out of the spring three days. However, another thing that we've learned is that you can't really coast into Aachen. You absolutely must get back onto a gallop schedule, not, you don't have to do a ton of gallops, but you know, you want to make sure that you have three or four really good conditioning gallops before that competition, because otherwise it'll catch you out. Even though the course that often is not long, it's a, it's a, it's a short competition, um, as you see, short, um, but it's, you know, seven minutes, six fifty of, of very, very intense, um, galloping and turning and accelerating and decelerating. And, um, so, um, you know, the horse's fitness we have learned has, you know, you can't just coast into Aachen. And um, so the riders, you know, much like, you know, with the with the program as it is now, they're absolutely responsible for um, their own programs. And I oversee that and I offer my opinion and make sure that, you know, um, what needs to get done to get ready for these competitions is getting done. But, you know, we went into Aachen very much like we did um, the Worlds last year where, we're, you know, we had our top riders who all have very, very good programs. Um, you know, so I, I was not at all concerned that, that we were going to show up with with a, a team that was ready to fight at Aachen. They absolutely fought at Aachen. Uh, you just mentioned the word intense there. I think if we could sum up Aachen in one word, intense is probably the word for it. Um, what did the travel look like for this squad? When did they get over to Arkin and and how does that sort of time work in terms of traveling horses over to Europe? Um, so so um, everybody <laughs> again kind of did their own thing. Um, we did have a um, we we used a, a a very nice facility about 10, 15 minutes away from Aachen the last couple of years. We even used it before Bukalo last year, where the horses people that want to bring their horses and locate them. Um, just outside of Aachen, um, it, that has worked really well. Um, so we kind of staged a few of the horses there. We did have a couple of riders that had been in Europe for a bit longer. So instead of shuffling those horses all around, you know, Europe to just to, to get to somewhere just out, outside Aachen, a couple of like Tammy um, came um, directly into the venue on the Wednesday, as did Coleman. Um, so it all worked out very, very well. and. Um, and you know, and, and, the, and I trust these riders that that when they show up, they're they're ready to go. You know, with this group, you know, that the next group coming along that you know, there's a little bit greener. You know, are going to need probably a lot a lot more um, direction 
potentially, but um, uh, it, it worked out well where horses were kind of flying in, like Coleman's horse flew in from Miami, so he came a little bit earlier, and um, so it, it's a lot of moving parts, and we have a fantastic, uh, uh, the Gillison company um, in, in Europe that ships our horses all over the place, you know, they were great bringing horses here and there, and getting them to where they needed to be. So it's a, it's a logistical challenge, let me say that, but, um, you know, with Max being um, right there, facilitating all those logistical things, it's incredible. And, you know, Gemma from the USCF, our managing director. Uh, so everybody was on their A game. So um, actually went off pretty much without a hitch, I think. That is what we like to hear. Um, Arkan, Arkan as a, as a whole, Bobby, sum it up for anybody that hasn't been or that's kind of heard about this place. Um, for for you guys visiting, you've been a few good number of times now. Put it into words for us just how extraordinary Arkan is. Yeah, well, it's just, it's a, it's a one week, basically it's a one week World Equestrian Games. I mean, it's it's incredibly intense. There is never not some big something or other going on um there's the uh they even added vaulting this year but we have the the, the three big disciplines of of dressage show jumping and then eventing and then also driving and and it just when it when it starts it, like the beginning of the week um is uh under 25 competition i believe but when i think it's on the tuesday um uh things get heated up it just doesn't stop and you the, you can be there and it's very compact, so you can go to watch the, you know, the, the Grand Prix Nations Cup, and then within three minutes be over to the main stadium where there's a, you know, a meter sixty class going on, and 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 then walk another maybe thirty yards to where the dressage is being held held for the um the driving. So and in between there's this amazing trade fair and food and bars and it's just. It's nuts, but but it is so well run. Like every single class goes off on time. They know exactly how many horses, exactly how much time it's going to take, exactly how much time it's going to take to change the course or whatever. So it's it's intense, but it's so well run that it doesn't feel frantic. Um, but but for the eventing, when that started on uh, Friday, we did the dressage and both dressage and show jumping on Friday, plus trying to walk horses, plus you know having riders meeting. Um, in it, so very intense for a couple of days. I kind of like that taste, but um, uh, and I think it's good for the rider too. There's not really enough time to get nervous. So uh, yeah, it's intense. I tell people if they can, you know, if if they really want to go to a new competition, not a new competition, new to them, that they've got to put uh, Aachen on their list because it's um, it's like no other show. It really, really is. So many people uh, just rave about it, listeners. And it, if you are looking for one to add to your bucket list, Arkan is absolutely it. Um, it never disappoints only on the competition front. I mean, the competition front is always extraordinary and it has so many different chapters to the story, but just the venue as a whole is incredible. Let's talk about the competition story because you went in actually um, with a very, very strong team having probably got a, a lot more expectation upon the squad having had that silver medal in Protoni last year as well. Um, first phase, the dressage, which actually got off to a very, very solid start. I think you had um, three of your team members inside the top 10 after the first phase. What was the feeling 
after dressage. The team were in second overall, but within a fence of Great Britain, who were out in front. So less than 10 seconds on the cross country, which in Arkin is absolutely nothing. So what was the feeling after the first phase? Yeah, um, you know, it was, it's so funny when, like how things change in a year. You know, like I think everyone, a year ago, we would have been ecstatic to be in second place at Aachen after the dressage. But I think, you know, all of the riders knew that 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 there are there are easily more points to be gained. You know, that a couple of um, tiny, small, little, easily correctable mistakes. Um, so we were very, very happy to be in the silver position after dressage. But, you know, I think, hey, you don't you don't really have the time to to um, think too much about it because you're right off into the the show jumping so you know you don't really have a whole lot of time to reflect on what you know placing um we did we definitely <laughs> reflect after show jumping um we had a couple of uncharacteristic rails um from a couple of the horses and riders so we actually dropped down to um fourth after show jumping which was you know a little bit let the air out of the tank a little bit um but um but again you know we knew that that cross country was all going to be about the time and getting as close to the time as possible. And, you know, with that comes risk, comes runouts, comes, you know, slippages because it's, you know, um, because it was uh, raining um, quite a bit on cross country day. So we knew that anything could happen. And we came in very confident on, on Saturday, but um, on Saturday for the cross country, but we, we knew we had to kind of claw our way back a little bit because we did let, um, it slipped a tiny bit on um, in the show jumping. So, um, yeah, it was an exciting competition. It was, it was in, incredible in so much as that only two rails from your counting scores actually dropped two places on the, the team leaderboard. So it was quite expensive, even in the grand scheme of things. I think both Liz and Tammy both just had a rail apiece, having jumped brilliant rounds. Um, and sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But going into to cross-country morning, I think the one thing that stood out for me was actually how tight your team were together because you had um, all four of your scores were very, very close. You didn't sort of have a natural drop score at this stage. And I think that really played into the advantage going into cross-country day. And actually, ultimately, um, it meant Philip Dutton's score was countered, which we'll come on to. Just in terms of Rudiger Schwartz's cross-country track, what was your impression of the cross-country test that he had set when you guys all walked it and all did your your sort of final preparations? Right. Well, we were lucky to have um, Ian Stark with us again um, at this competition, um, coordinating all all of our cross-country and our cross-country strategy and course walking. So uh, we we all walked the course together um, on, I think it was Thursday, um with Ian with all the athletes including our uh wonderful individual Dan Dan Kreidel uh who was there doing his first big team thing um so we all walked the course together and then just like at the the Worlds last year then the some of the riders had their own coaches there and then they can kind of go away and and talk specifics about you know what might happen with their own horse but again all of all of those decisions then come back to Ian and 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 we then make the plan for um cross-country day and um and it seems to work out very very well that way we we did that at um Pertoni last year and had the same the same strategy this year um so that was super i thought as far as the cross-country course goes i thought it was brilliant because you know it is a it's not a long format competition it's it's a short format um it it it, it didn't walk 
crazy difficult. It walked quite technical, but it's not very, it's not, it's not hugely massive. Um, but, but you, you just knew that it was going to be a race. And, um, and, and when you're doing that, you know, there comes a lot of risk for, for just, you know, a heartbreaking drive by or a heartbreaking, you know, run out. So, um, uh, we had to, you know, be, be very aware of that, but, Again, the, the instructions for the riders was, again, really simple for me and just, you know, go get the job done and go fast and as, you know, as fast as you can safely possibly go um, because it, we knew it was going to be coming down to that. It was going to be coming down to time um, uh, as far as the, the final placing. So uh, we had a plan and the riders uh, stuck to it um, and, you know, it, it ended up working out quite well. Working out very, very well. Um, Philip Dutton was first out on course for you in terms of your team members. Dan had already been out on course a little bit earlier on as an individual. Um, it comes quite thick and fast, Arkham Cross Country. I mean, it is an absolute roller coaster in terms of emotions when you're watching it, talking about it, being part of it. Um, when Philip came home with having been essentially your drop score, albeit by 0.7, after show jumping. So you could have still counted his score, I think, and stayed in um, fourth place ahead of, I think it was Australia um, that were in fifth yeah. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he came home, having got the first clear on the board, a pretty quick clear as well, what feeling did that give to the rest of the team? Or is everybody at that stage still in their own bubble, doing their own thing, cracking on with the job at hand? Yeah, I, I think we were very, you know, because when Philip went, it was, it was definitely one of the quickest um, uh, rides that had happened, uh, you know, okay, you went fairly early on, um, especially, and, and they ran all the individuals first, but as far as the team members go, um, it was fairly early on. So we were, we were very, um, optimistic about our chances after that. And, you know, Z is a cross country machine, but he's not, he's not like riding a dirt bike. You know, he's not, he's not a, out and out speed demon, but Philip absolutely is. And he has so much experience and he knew exactly where he could save, uh, you know, fractions of a second here and there and really optimized his ride. It was, it was, you know, again, vintage Philip. It was incredible and just gave everybody lots of confidence, um, you know, for, for their own horses and their own rides to see that it could be done. He never looked out of control. It was um, didn't look like he was going as fast as he was. He was just so efficient, and um, so he set the tone for the day. And um, you know, I purposely put him first because um, you know we we knew that 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 um, he would go out. And actually, all these guys have so much experience. Any of them could have gone anywhere, but but I really felt comfortable putting Philip first, and um, and he and he did set the tone for the for the rest of the day. The I have to ask the watching it as I say emotional roller coaster living through it on the ground, um, kind of having the ups and the downs. Is it as intense it is as it is watching? Is it more intense because it was just like once we thought something had happened, something else happened, and the score and the story changed all over again. Yeah, it it is it is um, probably more intense than you can imagine. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the video uh, TVs were very dodgy. They weren't working so great. So we couldn't, we didn't always know what was going on. So, um, you know, so you're kind of running out and trying to see as much, you know, maybe just, just um, 
live as you can, but then, oh, the, the TVs are working again, so we run back. So it was all very, very intense, and um, uh, and we knew that things were shifting, you know, with each rotation of teams, things kept shifting, and they they were shifting in our direction, which was which was great. But you want to just keep your head down and not get too excited, and uh, because anything can happen, and um, you know, and and that you know, we 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 had had nothing but um, you know good rounds, and just coming down to probably the second to last um, serious combination. Poor Will just his horse slipped coming through the turn just a few strides out and just put him on a a non non distance or not not a not a stride that the horse could jump from so um, that was a heartbreaker but I mean Coleman just rode so wonderfully well and was doing what he he was you know kind of commissioned to do which was go out and 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 bring it home and it just doesn't always work out that way and um, um, yeah so I. I I have nothing but praise for the way that Coleman rode and um, and for the rest of our gang because uh, they all rode super. The, I, th- I often think, actually, you know, we've seen it time and time again, and we saw it go the other way in Will's favor when he had put um, others under pressure. I think it was Kirsty Chabert, actually, in 2021 when Will won, and she had a late 20 penalties out on course. You know, the arc and pressure cooker is something else entirely because not only have you got the the individual leaderboard you've got the team leaderboard for the SAP Cup as well you're running in reverse order of merit for the team riders so in terms of the teams went in reverse order eight three to first and then the fourth place score for each team went then the third then the second then the first so it meant that it actually just bubbled up into this intense pressure that actually I think of the last six that went cross country I think only five of them uh, five of them have had jumping penalties I think only one of them jumped to clear round it was just absolutely insanely insanely intense um what was the feeling then at this point guaranteed a podium and actually then I think it was um Tom McEwen's run out as last go on course again in that pressure cooker environment same place uh albeit at a different element the fence Turkish airline combination that Will Coleman had had his problem, that actually uh, the US team secured that second place spot. Because second behind Germany on home soil is pretty, pretty cool. Um, But I have to say, three horses inside the top six even, not even just the top 10, inside the top six, it's unusual that that doesn't actually work out as good enough to take the win in a team competition. Just look at the playthings. It's like, how could we not have won, you know? And to have three in the top six, but you know, it's the final score that, 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 uh, that matters. And when you, um, and yeah, so, so I, I had a, I felt quite confident that we were, that we were going to stay, stay in this, uh, second place, um, position. Um, but you know, it wasn't until it finally came up on the board that, you know, I was certain because my, I'm not very, and anybody that knows me knows that I am not a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> so uh doing those things in my head I wouldn't I don't trust that so I had to wait for the final the final thing. I'll I'll be honest Bobby I um so I was doing the commentary for clip my horse and my mental maths had a proper workout and thankfully <laughs> thankfully it came through for me because you always worry when you're saying it under pressure that you kind of go all in on it and it, and if you get it wrong you're going to look really really stupid so thankfully it wasn't the case um Tammy ended up finishing in 
third place. But as I say, Liz Halliday Sharp in fifth, Philip Dutton in sixth eventually as well. And it's the first time at Arken that we've actually had three US combinations finishing inside the top 10 in the same year. So an absolutely extraordinary achievement. Looking back on it now, a couple of weeks or a week or so after the event, what did that Arken performance mean given I guess the pressure that had come off the back of Protoni after a great Kentucky having taken a really strong squad to Arkan to have delivered yeah um it, it feels great um it, it really does feel great I it, I don't you know I, I think that there's so much optimism and I within the 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 group um within the program right now that that the optimism that that's out there definitely outplays any kind of pressure or, um, you know, concern about like, I don't know, everybody's just in that very optimistic place and um, coming into these competitions saying, yeah, we we should, we should be coming to these, these shows and being competitive and being competitive to be good enough to be on the podium and, and having good individual um, finishes. So I, I just think that the, it's the attitude, it's the positivity, it's the, um, you know, everybody kind of being there for one another, um, you know, the respect that the riders have for one another, all of those very small, almost intangibles, um, I think are hugely important um, as far as if you're, if we're looking for uh, a reason why we seem to have uh, turned a tide a little bit and, you know, it can, it it, it it there's no guarantee that's going to keep going but um i think you know keeping the, the good horses sound and happy and um making the right decisions and um you know i i only see more good things coming and i am if anything i'm a huge optimist a hugely optimistic person and i with that you but you have to be realistic as well but um you know i think everybody's just in, the, in a good place um in their mindset and you know i think we expect more good things to happen it feels very exciting, doesn't it? Like there's a lot of horses and riders going very, very well, not just in Arkin, but outside of Arkin as well. Uh, we obviously had um, a lot of the emerging athletes on the show on the last episode, listeners talking about Stragon, where they took the Team Silver in the Nations Cup there, um, but also Le Moulin for the five star. And we had... Um, Two really exciting young horses making a five-star debut for Boyd Martin finish inside the top 10. Sid Elliott as well finished inside the top 20. So it feels like real strength and depth. And, you know, Boyd will be very, very excited to have those two young guns kind of stepping up to his top level string as well. Yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. I think that, you know, uh, Aachen just didn't work into... uh, Boyd schedule for this year um, again because he he was taking a couple of those top courses to Le Moulin, which is you know definitely the most important guess getting those five star runs and getting your qualifications kind of out of the way for um, for Paris next year. Um, so yeah, great great performances by by him at Moulin, and it um, it's always good when we're you know traveling overseas and we have top finishes because again that gets people kind of sitting up and paying attention as well. So that was a that was a very good trip um for for boyd and um and you know he's he's working together a really really strong string of horses so the the competition to get on the team for paris next year is going to be incredibly intense and um and you know just it's so 
horrible to think that, you know, you can only take three plus a reserve. Um, you know, it's, it, there's going to, it's going to be pretty intense um, buying for a spot for next year. But um, I think that only, you know, it's going to help us that you know, we have, we have a, a very, very solid group of top horses and riders um, that, that we can look forward to hopefully putting together the strongest team possible for next year. What does it mean now, obviously building up to Paris, we're what, a little over 12 months away from, from the Olympics. So, I mean, it is, you know, going to creep up on it. It's pretty darn quick. So what does it look like in terms of Paris prep for you guys over the next few months before the end of the year? What happens behind the scenes? Right. Uh, so, so um, yeah, it's going to come up really fast because this year actually, 2023 goes quite late. We don't, we have the Pan American games, um, not until kind of towards the, the later part of October. Um, we, we have our final kind of four star long in Florida in November. And then all of a sudden the, the, the season's going to be over and we're going to be staring Paris like right in the face. So um, there's obviously a ton of preparation that's going on right now. I went and uh, checked uh, the, 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 the site where we will be training um, leading up to Paris. Uh, that was the, the day after Aachen. I did that. Um, so there's all sorts of uh, um, planning in the works. And I think we feel very confident about, about where the plan is right now. And um, not a ton of detail that we can go into, I don't think, but, you know, just everybody should know that we have a, we have a, a really good plan coming together for the next few months um, and leading up to Paris next year. And what about those Pan American Games? Because they take place in Chile at the end of October, as you say. It feels like a very, very different place to this time four years ago when the Olympic qualification was very much the top priority. That is done and dusted. You know, you have the the luxury, as it feels like, of, of not having to worry about that going into the Pan American Games this year. It's run at the three-star long, long level. I think there's four-star dressage and, and show jumping to kind of bulk Correct. up the championshipness of it but it is a championship at the end of the day it's an important one at that what is the feeling like and the strategy building up to those pan-american games um so we have the our final selection trial is um it just shows how late this competition is because there's still selection trials going on um but the final one will be at rebecca farm um coming up here very shortly uh and then uh, the selectors will put together a, a list for the, for the vets to start, you know, kind of um, um, looking at to, to make sure they all everybody came out of the the, the spring and summer um, three day event season well. And then, um, so you know, I'm not a selector, so I don't pick the teams. But I think that the the general thought is is that we will we will not necessarily be taking our top five star horses to the Pan Ams. I don't think it's necessary. I think we need to save those horses for next year. Um, but on the flip side, we absolutely have every intention of going with the team that is going to win and hopefully dominate the medals. And I don't think, yeah, you know, so I, we have so many nice um, quality younger horses with some of our top uh, riders. Um, there's a, a, a small group of, of the next generation that's coming on. So um, I, I see, you know, maybe a little bit of a mixture. Um, I think it's so wonderful that we are utilizing these Nations Cups more and more because, you know, it, that's where these young guys have got to go to to show that they can deal with team pressure. And, you know, so so it doesn't have to be the first time at a, at a championship that, that they can, you know, that we're using these Nations Cup teams to, to get um, to get. Uh, as many 
athletes experience um, as possible. So uh, we'll be going with a, a heavy hitting team of horses um, to uh, the Pan Ams, but um, I do not think that they will necessarily have to be um, the five star horses. It's exciting though as well, isn't it? Because you feel like actually that there it's an opportunity for some new stars to kind of throw themselves onto the radar and and actually, you know, yes, 12 months isn't a long time, but a lot can happen in 12 months going into Paris next year. Um, I will very much be looking forward to seeing how preparations play out over the next few months um, because lots to look forward to. But I think the the one thing that I have to say, I'm sure plenty of our listeners will be listening to this, thinking how exciting it is to have such a brilliant team of horses and riders coming through. Great competition for places um, and lots to look forward to, as well as a really clear desire to win, Bobby, which I'm not going to lie. When you say, you know, we're, we want to go to the Pan Ams, we want to be dominating that podium, I'm like, yes, come on. Um, <laughs> listeners, uh, it has been a real treat to get an insight into all things US eventing, uh, going into what is going to be a really exciting second half of 2023, an important one as well. Lots to look forward to. Bobby, thank you, as always, for sharing it with us and, and giving us so much candid insight into to what goes on. That was fun, Nicole. Thanks a lot. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Uh, we will be back very soon with more on the USCA official podcast, so do stay tuned. But for now, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.